Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the recap podcast for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by Jared. Hello. What's going on? More talk about uh, gravity. (laughs) Yay, physics. (laughs) Or... Not. <laughs> yeah, also, also, lots of stuff that's not physics. <laughs> Nonsense physics. Um, so just to reiterate, we are a recap podcast for Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, we do discuss spoilers, uh, but we will discuss them at the end and we will give you plenty of notice. So if you have not watched up to season five on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, just be aware of that. You can catch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on Netflix right now, and it does go all the way up through season five. We also do discuss quite a bit of the Marvel Cinematic Universe Um we try to keep some of the movie spoilers in the spoiler section, but we kind of assume that most everyone has seen up through Infinity War at this point. So <laughs> if some of that stuff slips out, I'm sorry. Uh, otherwise, we'll try to keep it to the spoiler section. Uh, anything else to add in the business? Um, I, think right. I think I think so. Okay. I don't know why I just blanked out. Um, okay. So let's get started. This is season one, episode three, titled The Asset. It was written by Jed Whedon and Marissa Chantron, and it was directed by Milan Chelov, and it originally aired October 8th, 2013. Um, so we start off this episode with this big rig truck rolling down a deserted highway. The driver is singing. He's like a typical, you know, grungy trucker with a hat and flannel. <laughs> And we think this is just a regular truck, but this is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so of course it's not. And uh, we get some radio chatter back and forth between the driver and whoever's on the other end of the radio. And he mentions that the cargo is secure. Clearly something different about this truck. And these black SUVs pull up. This is clearly not regular cargo, so... We know something's up. All of a sudden, some invisible force throws one of the SUVs up and over, and it lands uh, upside down. And it is revealed that Mac, uh, the driver, is a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Um, And then suddenly, the big rig gets lifted up and dropped down. Um, And this group of, obviously, bad guys comes in with some construction equipment and you know, pulls the truck apart and opens up this safe in the back of the truck. And there's this old dude wearing glasses in the cargo. And he's like, are we there yet? And that's the cold open. (laughs) And that one, that that opens up all sorts of questions and sets in like long-term stuff that doesn't pay off until the newest season. I know. It's really cool. (laughs) This show comes full circle in the most satisfying ways. So many times, and this is just one of many. We got some in the pilot too, which we discussed in the po- the, the spoiler section of the pilot. So yes, and we'll we'll get into the spoiler section this episode. This will this will be a fun one to yeah, talk about spoilers. Definitely, um, I did like um, in the truck um, how it had that cool like uh, high tech interface that the driver was suddenly like pulling up a new route or something. I was like, man, Shield Tech is is great. It's just. <laughs> It's just cool interfaces that makes it look futuristic and fancy. That's really well, it's all also, it is. <laughs> and, it's, and it is, and it's like it doesn't feel that far fetched anymore. Like when we were kids, that stuff felt impossible, but now it feels like it's actually not that far away. Yeah, definitely. All right, so we're back on the bus. Sky and Ward are training. Actually, Ward is training, and Sky shows up late, and he's like giving her a hard time about that. 
and he's kind of, you know, he's having her punch the punching bag and she's kind of doing it half-assed and Ward's talking about how every new agent has this defining moment of knowing if this is for them or not. And he says, it's my job as your SO to make sure you don't die before that moment. Um, which sounds extreme, but we'll see later on in the episode that that is probably correct. <laughs> um, oh, and then he also mentions that they don't actually have truth serum. And Sky's like, what? Not cool. So we finally discover. Oh, go ahead. You're going to say well, something. I, I, I wasn't sure, like, if I, like, what I felt, like, with that line. Like, mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I think he's lying. Off. I thought so too, right? Because just yeah. the way it reads in, in the pilot, the way Coulson feels about Ward, like it just doesn't feel like it does. It, it feels more like Ward doesn't want to let her think that she has anything on him ever. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I, th- I feel like maybe it's a level seven piece of information. <laughs> or I guess Ward is at level seven at this point, right? Because he was welcomed into level seven by Coulson. I don't know. I feel like there is truth serum, and maybe Ward just doesn't know there's truth serum. <laughs> that that works. Or I I feel like either 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 yeah either he doesn't know it's real or he's full of it and he's, yeah. Because even if he didn't know it existed, he'd know about it affected him. You know. Yeah. I, I, feel, I, I feel like he's just full of it because he doesn't want to admit to her. Well, and also anything or had him in a position of vulnerability because right. he doesn't want to admit that to anyone. Yeah, and also I feel like maybe he wants to show her how great his agent training is too, and that's why we're here. We're training, and I you can never <laughs> put one over on me. I'm the best agent ever. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> it also just adds to like he's he's a little bit childish, as charming as he is at this point in the show. Like at the same to, at the same same time, like there's something about him that is like a little bit like smug kid, you know? Like I don't yeah. know. Yeah, he's, he's the kind of he's the kind of leading man guy who you like, but you also kind of want to punch in the face. Exactly, Bradley hey. Cooper and a lot of stuff for me. <laughs> oh my god, so true. Um, so after this, we find out that the man that was in the back of the truck was Doctor Franklin Hall, whom Fitzsimmons know and respect from their days at the academy, and so this is going to be a mission that's a little close to their hearts. Um. They then go to Colorado um, where they debrief Agent Mack, the truck driver, and he says that they knew our route. And so there's a potential for a mole within S.H.I.E.L.D. at this point, which is a little crazy. Um, Simmons also discovers um, that there's kind of an anomaly in a gravity gravity field uh, right in the middle of the highway and they discover it's this small object that's making these rocks float and kind of making the gravity field all nuts. Um, and there's like a tiny little like piece of metal in this small round object um, that we'll get to know very clearly all the way up through season five seems. <laughs> I guess that's a spoiler. My bad. We can edit that out <laughs> <laughs> or not. Um, just I feel like make, that's makes, maybe vague enough. Yeah. It just makes you want to watch m- more, right? You just want to know more about the subject. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we'll keep it in. Um, so we're back on the bus. The team is discussing the possibility of a mole. Um, so they head out to investigate the construction equipment that was sold to this team of bad guys, quote. Um, and Ward and Colson meet up with 
a lead and discover that he was paid in gold bars, which is really weird. Um, they do an analysis on the gold and Fitzsimmons discover that is it is from a mine owned by Ian Quinn. Um, so now we go to Malta and we meet Ian Quinn, who then comes into a lab and lo and behold, there's Dr. Hall and they clearly have a friendly relationship. Um, and we see that Ian Quinn has that same device that Colson's team found. So obviously he's the source of the kidnapping, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> since he's there. Um, and then there's a series of edits between the bus and Malta. And um, during this, these edits, we discover that the weird events like around the big, the big rig truck were caused by this, um, uh, this substance called gravitonium. And it distorts gravity fields within it. Um, and then when electric current is applied, the, the gravitonium becomes solid and the distortions erupt out of it and it distorts the gravity fields around it. So that's why um, the truck was able to fly like up in the air because gravity was pulling it or there was no gravity. I don't know. Whatever. It's fake physics. <laughs> There's no such thing as gravitonium. Um, but anyway, Dr. Hall is a leading expert on gravitonium. And so that's why it's significant that he was captured. Um, and throughout these edits, Quinn is talking to Dr. Hall about being able to finish his, his theoretical research. Like Dr. Hall thought gravitonium was, was, you know, existed in theory, but they had never had any like physically. And now they have it. And he has the state of the art lab to be able to finish what he started. And without any government oversight shield and any type of US or European government is they're not allowed to interfere on Malta, which is why Ian Quinn very specifically decided to have his headquarters there. So we're back on the bus. The team is discussing on how to get into Quinn's compound. And since Malta won't allow S.H.I.E.L.D. operatives officially, uh, the team has to go in alone and quietly so they can be disavowed if anything goes wrong. Um, but they need a man inside because his security is too tight. So Sky uses her Rising Tide connections to get an invitation to his shareholders meeting, which uh, impresses everyone, but also annoys everyone. Uh, Ward is especially not happy about this because Sky is untrained and he essentially distrusts her loyalty, which from the end of episode two, we should all distrust her loyalty because <laughs> she essentially told the Rising Tide that she was in. So whatever that means. Um, so... Ward and Sky are training again. Um, he is teaching her how to disarm someone that's pointing a gun at her. And he gets a little vulnerable because she, again, tries to, you know, joke around and not take it seriously. So he tries a different tactic and he gets vulnerable and he starts talking about his family and he starts talking about how his older brother was abusive towards him and his younger brother. Which is so we get to see the point in my drinking game where you have to t take a shot. Yeah. So here I am with my my Korean corn tea taking a shot. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll upgrade to tequila one of these days. <laughs> um, May is also talking to Colson as well, and or not as well, but she's talking to Colson about him being in the field. Like she doesn't think it's a good idea for him to be in the field. He's rusty, you know. She's the specialist, but she doesn't want to see combat. And Colson's like kind of waving it off, like, "Yeah, I saw plenty of action in the Avengers." And then as he walks away, May says, "And you died," no, <laughs> which it cuts. To the core, man. That that's a harsh burn, but it's fair. Yeah, which which brings up something that we will discuss in the spoiler section about May and Coulson. Um, so we'll get to that later. 
Um, now we're back on Malta and Sky is undercover. She's wearing a very pretty pink dress. Um, she's got some cool tech from Fitzsimmons to help Fitz get wireless control um, so that Coulson and Ward can sneak onto the to the compound and rescue Dr. Hall. So Sky is very, you know, charming and she's she's great undercover. She's talking with, you know, the guy who built all of Dubai. Now she's talking to Ian Quinn and Quinn offers her a job like he realizes that she's a talented hacktivist and he could use her expertise. And she's very surprised by this and also kind of confused, (laughs) it seems. Um, So Quinn starts giving this speech about allowing um, scientific research to go unchecked. And we kind of think that Sky might be buying into this. She's listening. She's very interested. And then she sneaks away because she has a mission to complete. So I don't know. We're getting these like back and forth. Um, like we're question- we're kind of questioning her loyalty throughout the entire episode. And we're, we're getting cues to her not being serious about being a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent and also also, yes, being serious about being a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent and completing her mission. So I don't know. There's lots of back and forth with her. Um, so there's kind of a during Quinn's speech, there's a cut to Dr. Hall working on the Gravitonium on this larger scale. And he's very like feverishly happy about being able to do this research and do this work. <laughs> and so and it's funny because Coulson's like, we have to rescue him. He's probably being tortured. Uh, he's you know, he doesn't want to be there. And it's kind of clear that Dr. Hall does want to be there. <laughs> so we're getting another like a weird, like opposing view of like what these agents think reality is versus what reality actually is. So <laughs> I don't know. Um there's a funny line at this point where Colson and Ward have come up onto the beach um, in a boat and Colson's like, I will, you know, go handle Dr. Hall because we don't want your personality to set him on edge <laughs> talking to, to Ward. It's so funny because throughout these episodes, Ward is very clearly like standoffish and annoying and well, it's under he gets everybody's under skin. Yeah, but he's also very charming and like he's a good mentor. So it's very confusing. Like, <laughs> very confused on how I feel about him. <laughs> no, and they, like, like they do. They just they have that same vibe. Uh, he has that same vibe, and actually, so does the guy who plays Ian Quinn. Where it's like yes. it's this like guy who's like, ah, like, like, like you you want to punch them for being a smug asshole, but you also like kind of want to hang out with them and hear what they have to say because maybe they're smarter than they than they looked at first you know yeah they're 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 both the type of characters and i think probably the type of actors who oftentimes play those leading men that have like hidden depth you know where, yeah. and they're they're good they're well cast i think both both of them but ward especially like which we get, you know we see a lot of him throughout the series uh and he really gets to show that that uh range that ability to be like both really charming and nurturing and like uh, i don't know like unassuming but like, like not unassuming but vulnerable you said before like, like yeah good at portraying yeah. that vulnerability but also at the same time being like a smug hard ass that you don't want to work with or hang out with like, like it's it's they are They're, he's a contradiction in terms and those kinds of characters when they feel like real people are, are i think the most entertaining because they have this inner conflict you know yeah definitely so during Quinn's speech, Skye sneaks away, like we said before, and she gets caught actually sneaking around uh, trying to get into Quinn's office. Quinn is the one that catches her and he's like, what are you doing? 
And she's like, I'm sneaking around. And she kind of talks him out of calling security. And she blows her cover by writing down, S.H.I.E.L.D. is listening on a piece of paper and showing him, um, obviously, so that her comms won't catch it. And he's kind of like, what? (laughs) And obviously, like, Fitz and Simmons and May don't know what's going on, like, on their side, um, on the back end. But uh, she gets into Quinn's office with this information and she ditches the her comms into a glass of champagne and goes dark. And I think essentially to win Quinn's trust, first of all, but we don't really know at that point. Like, it, yes, it is to win Quinn's trust so he won't call security on her and have her, you know, imprisoned or whatever. But also, like, he offered her a job and is impressed by her. And so, you know, Quinn starts talking about shield and and his operation he he mentions that shield always recruits people like her like she has a criminal past she has a very specialized skill set and she has no family she has no ties um and that line clearly strikes a nerve for her she you know the no family thing and he's he he notices that and he's like you know i'm sorry but that's just how it is and and I think we have come in a, a kind of a moment of doubt with her. We think that she's she has completely blown her cover and she's going to work for Quinn. And then she pulls out that compact and the compact goes green, essentially giving Fitz wireless access. And she's back in the game. She's completing her mission. So <laughs> um, obviously at this point, Ward and Coulson are able to, they reset the system or whatever. And Ward and Coulson break into the compound and Quinn is alerted to their presence by his security guards and he pulls a gun on Sky and Sky says that timing was perfect because he mentions like Shields thorough like they wouldn't just put you in here they would have a backup plan and then they do have a backup plan which is Quinn and Ward <laughs> or, Col- or Ward and Colson my bad um so just like that weird that self-awareness again I I need to keep a tally of that too mm-hmm. so I'm keeping a tally of Tahiti uh uh, Ward's family, Sky's mystery, mysterious past, Cal- and cavalry callbacks, and cavalry and self awareness. So it's five things. God, I need to do this. It's gonna All be right. a, like this. Is gonna be like the Buffy drinking game where it had like times that uh, uh, Giles got knocked unconscious by something hitting on the right. head, or times you saw a bra <laughs> strap, or times that Xander said something sarcastic. Where by the end, there's no way to not just get totally shit faced. Like, like we're gonna have like, yep. <laughs> oh my god oddly enough tahiti has not been mentioned in this episode yet so it's the first, all right. first episode where i think uh we don't get it like constantly i know i know it is only episode three so we have plenty plenty of room uh to have it mentioned again don't worry <laughs> don't worry all right so colson goes to the lab and discovers that dr hall is not down to leave which was not what they anticipated and he says as much (laughs) it's like we were not prepared for this scenario um we discovered that dr hall was actually the mole within shield because he wanted to destroy the gravitonium that quinn uh got a hold of so quinn and every the rest of the world can't can't use it essentially um and May is back on the bus and she is very frustrated at being helpless. She's like, Ward, I hope you have everything under control there. I can't do anything from up here. Um, Coulson is trying to talk down Dr. Hall as the gravity starts getting weirder and weirder. They're like upside down on the ceiling and then they're like sideways and he's pouring like liquor into a glass and it's like doing that weird Coriolis effect. And 
Meanwhile, Quinn and D- uh, ooh, I almost slipped there. Quinn and Sky <laughs> are still. He still has a gun to her head, and he's like, "Look, Shield is against everything that you stand for. Why are you doing this?" And he's like, "You got you got nothing. You're like you're expendable." And Sky uses her disarm trick that she learned from Ward earlier in the episode. Disarms Quinn, and she pulls the gun on him, and he's kind of like, "Well, do you have?" what it takes to pull the trigger and she's like nope (laughs) and turns around runs away and jumps over the balcony into the pool and escapes (laughs) um right around this time the gravity starts getting a little weird upstairs and quinn uh gives the call to evacuate once he realizes that the gravitonium has become unstable and so they get the hell out of there on their helicopter ward finds sky and he kicks a little butt you know, trying to protect her. She's obviously like very grateful that he's there to save her because uh, she is not equipped to be on a mission like this. Um, and Hall is still speaking with Coulson and he's reasoning that S.H.I.E.L.D. is just as guilty of being responsible with technology as Quinn is, which is an interesting conversation. Um, and he says this line like, I have to sacrifice myself to do this. I'm doing the right thing. And Coulson's like, by can- killing innocent people? And uh, Dr. Hall says, saving millions. So it, it kind of gives you that that weird discussion about, do you sacrifice the few to save the many? And like, what, the greater, what does that the mean? The greater good question. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, they're both not wrong. And Coulson gives him what he wishes for, and he makes that hard call and lets Hall be sacrificed. Uh, they needed a catalyst because Coulson. Uh, oh my god, I can't speak. Coulson pulled the the power um, on the structure, but they still needed to stabilize the gravitonium. So they needed some kind of catalyst to like go in and interrupt the reaction that was happening. So Hall essentially becomes that catalyst to stabilize the gravitonium, and he is absorbed by the gravitonium. Um, and then suddenly we're back on the bus and there's like a, a video call of the gravitonium being put away. But my question is, how did the gravitonium get out when they couldn't get into Malta? <laughs> like legally? No, that doesn't. That makes. Uh, that's one of those questions. That's one of those questions in a movie or a TV show where you just got to like totally ignore it. Like. Yeah, I just like was thinking. I was watching this for the second time, and I was like, "Wait a minute! How did they get that out of there?" When it was, there was like so much emphasis placed on like Shield cannot be on the ground because it's illegal. But yeah, whatever. We overlook those things for the sake of entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> easy logic. Anyway, we're back on the bus. Like, oh, getting, getting oh, out super easy. <laughs> oh yeah, it's right. the only tough part. <laughs> right. God. Um, so we're back on the bus and May comes walking into Colson's office and she's like, I want in. I'm tired of running back ends. This is frustrating. I'm reporting for combat. So fuck yeah. Agent May is going to be even more badass than we've seen her in these first. Which episodes. is hard to believe because she's like, this is the first one where she hasn't just completely saved the day. <laughs> I know. Like, well, she was is helpful. She's just not, you know. Yeah. And I mean, she locked herself out of that. Like she was like, nope, I'm not doing this. I'm going to be up here. And I mean, like her and Colson had a little conversation about that where that was where she's like, oh, and you died. <laughs> she's like not trusting him to be a good field operative. Um, and it's funny, too, because Colson says, you know, are you committed to the cause or are you just watching my back? And she says, same thing, which we will discuss in the spoiler section. <laughs> Get into that a little deeper. 
So now Sky is training on her own. <laughs> she was clearly motivated after this mission where she realizes she's way out of her depth as far as combat goes. Um, and she reveals to Ward that she grew up in the system, in the foster care system. And um, she mentions, you know, she she got put in a home that she really liked and they sent her back after a month and it was really hard for her. And she says, hoping for something and losing it hurts more than never hoping for anything, which explains a lot about her behavior. And Ward's kind of like, you know, we're not going to we're not going to turn our backs on you. We're not going to let you down. And, you know, she says, I made my choice. I want this really bad. So we now know that she's she's here and she's in it for real, <laughs> which is yay. Um, and then we see that gravit- the Gravitonium is locked in a vault in the fridge, which is another uh, shield um, facility. And Dr. Hall is still in there. A hand reaches out and it's like this horror film-esque type moment where it's alive type of thing. <laughs> and and that's it. That's the episode. <laughs> and that uh, it would be a perfect lead into some of our spoilery stuff. Yes. Yes. So if you have not watched up to up through season five and have not watched all of the MCU, all of it. No, just like the main Avengers films, basically. <laughs> and do not listen any further. Go and watch all of this and then come back and listen. This is your warning. <laughs> there's a lot in this episode. There's, yeah. super, there's weird stuff. There's comic book connections. There's tons and tons of stuff that comes up later on in the show. Like literally, we don't we don't see Franklin Hall again, or we don't we don't really see well, him again at all. <laughs> but we but we see him flashback, and we hear from him again in season five, like like towards the end. And uh, in in the comic books, Franklin Hall is a supervillain called Graviton, who Shield does have a version of him from another comic book character, uh, <laughs> who is played by Adrian Pazdar, becomes a very important Shield character, and. Uh, is like a Hulk related character uh, in the comics, and uh, he's. Oh, that's in- I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, Glenn, Glenn Talbot is uh, is kind of the Hulk's like thorn in his side, like uh, in a lot of ways. Like his, his one of his nemesis is well, one of the Hulk's or nemesis is uh, his father in law, Gen- General Thunderbolt Thaddeus Ross. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. yeah, and his is who's I believe Sam Elliott in the movies, but. Uh, but his protege is Glenn Talbot and is this uh, is this jerk, you know, military dude who ends up working yeah. for S.H.I.E.L.D. And in the comics, it's the same way. But uh, here he becomes Graviton, becomes this gravity powered dude who is powered by Gravitonium, introduced to this episode. And it appears a couple more times before season five and becomes super important in season five. And what, yeah. I, what we were talking about right before we recorded, which just cracks me up, because usually when they adapt stuff for TV or movies – it's more like real science than the thing that they made up in the 60s or 70s. Uh, in this case, it is less like it because gra- <laughs> Graviton was named after the idea of Gravitons, which is a theoretical you know, subatomic particle that would exist in all matter that is what, where gravity comes from. And it's, it has no mass because it is just attraction of, you know, of matter. And it's like it's this theoretical idea that may or may not exist, that physicists believe has some you know, merit. And was like a pretty new idea back then. Gravitonium is pure sci-fi comic book nonsense, but they made it up yeah. for TV in 2013 or whatever, or 2014, which is 
hilarious to me. Uh, yeah. I love that. And well, they probably my my theory behind that is they probably wanted something physical to like show in a visual medium, like, oh, this is this it's this thing that can do this thing with gravity. Whereas you say gravitons, like that's in everything. Right. No, you it, know? It's literally like, it's massless, <laughs> it's invisible. It's like, here's my jar yeah. of it. And it's just an empty jar. <laughs> like the person looks crazy. <laughs> like, 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 yeah. You know, it's very hard to illustrate that probably with special effects without like being really innovative and interesting to show a massless invisible force. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, he became this like really, really powerful villain who was primarily a villain for the Avengers and for a, a villain turned hero team called the Thunderbolts in Marvel comics. And like most of the time, because he had the power of gravity, <laughs> like, like, like the fundamental force mm-hmm. of everything, he would, uh, he would, oftentimes be just sent to another dimension like that was how they defeated oh. him like just send him to another dimension <laughs> so, so, okay <laughs> which is what they can do in comic books uh and so they did that a bunch and he he died a bunch of times but but that's one of the things i wanted to mention was the ending where uh colson makes the call i'm gonna you're gonna be the sacrifice because you were willing to sacrifice other people like i'll just kill you and save other people but in, in, yeah, well, I mean, he was willing to sacrifice himself too, right. which was like, okay, you're getting what you want. <laughs> in, in, in the comics, he was just a, a research scientist who, uh, going to the truck that he got, it was at the very beginning of the episode that Agent Mac was uh, driving. It was the Rocky Mountain Office Supplies truck was their cover, and in the comics, he was the, a research scientist at a uh, Canadian uh, research facility in the Canadian Rockies, and yeah. so that's a lame, uh, cute shout out thing that they did i'm sure and he uh he just be when he was introduced he was a guy who had worked there exposed himself to grab concentrated gravitons to these particles yes. and uh which would be like i'm gonna expose myself to magnetism which is like again i guess it's not that different than a lot of comic book origins it's just I, most of them are either impossible or if they were possible would just kill you like that's that's, that's my, right. my favorite part of all of those origins but he uh he just showed up at work one day in a cape and was like, I'm going to, I'm a super villain now. I'm Graviton and I'm taking over this facility. And so he held it hostage and the Avengers showed up. And because he had the power of gravity, he defeated all the Avengers. And uh, in, the, in that story, uh, Thor and the Black Panther had just uh, taken, re- resumed uh, their, their membership after taking time off. So they just show up at the Avengers mansion and they're like, no one's here. So then they found them. They like, tracked them to this facility in the Rockies and saved the day because Thor is the god of thunder and uh, Black Panther is the smartest man on earth, so he can figure out how to defeat gravity. Apparently, but but they uh, <laughs> they got they, they got him and uh, and he and they end up convincing him. It's like it's weird because it's so it's all comic booky. It's like it's almost fridging a woman, but it's not. It's just psychological warfare because they tell him that oh we found out you know there's this this is all about a girl because it's. He's basically an, yeah, he's basically an, an incel, uh, and he has a crush on a girl at oh. work. That's what this is all about. And they're like, "Oh, well, God. that girl. While well, you were making gravity attack your office space and like like, like destroying everything with gravity, <laughs> she she killed herself." And he's so heartbroken. Oh. He's like, "I've become too dangerous," and so he like collapses in on himself and becomes a sphere of metal and like. What the- brings the entire <laughs> facility into like a little ball of metal, it's, like crushing in on itself. And like, and oh they think he's dead for a long time until he shows up again and 
fighting Fantastic Four, just being a regular supervillain, being like, I'm gonna take over the world with gravity. <laughs> and uh, but wow, but like that was how. The, the, and then at the end, they're like, Oh no, that girl killed herself, and like Black Panther and Thor, are like, No, dude, like we just we just messed with him. <laughs> like she's oh my she's god, fine. and it's like it's so messed up. But at the same time, I mean, at least they didn't kill off a woman to develop a man. They just, just are, yeah, are, they just lied. Yeah, quote unquote, <laughs> heroes just really messed with a dude. Like, again, it's better than killing wow. somebody, but. At the same time, they kind of convinced him to kill himself. And at least the person who wrote that story intended it that way. But uh, but yeah, he comes back uh, sort of as a voice in season five. Franklin Hall and his and the villain mantle of Graviton is instead passed on to Glenn Talbot, who in the comics is all sorts of things, but primarily a jealous rival of Bruce Banner's and. I, I, I do feel like we've been robbed of scenes with Adrian Pazdar and uh, and Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> like those. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm kind of bummed that they didn't incorporate that more because they didn't have any connection to the Hulk. I mean, they would just in season. They five. would have such a great like those are just, they're both Pazdar oh is a God. different kind of actor, you know. Like like he yes. hasn't been in movies in a long time. He's mostly TV now, but he's good. Like like he's he's kind of hammy, but I, I would love to see the two of them together like i do feel like that would that was a loss uh, for the most part i don't mind any adaptation differences from the comics to the, the movies anymore when i was a kid i think my ocd and nerdiness like joined up to make me like annoyed by that those things but, <laughs> but now i really don't mind like every once in a while i'll feel like a, there's like a story loss you know or potential yeah. but it's not a big deal because they also invent all these new things and amazing things that make the material of the characters better like Daisy is a better character because of the show, you know, in the yeah. comics, she was just a never, ever going to really be Angelina Jolie. <laughs> and <laughs> now, you know, she's this like character with a lot of depth. And I think a lot of that is Chloe Bennett and, and, you know, she's, it, she's had a story written well. Yeah. For, for also. another medium before she even was really, yeah. I don't know, super fleshed out in the comics. She was always kind of a side character before in the comics. And, yeah, no, it's it's awesome. It's given her a chance to shine, and now she's like like before, you know. You presume uh, the the average comic reader for a long time was a, a white dude, and so as a result, there's a lot of assumption. And in the case of yeah. Daisy, as we talked about uh, in our first episode, she was designed literally. The artist like admitted, and it was undeniable, even if he didn't want to admit it, because he was very photo referency and good and very high quality art. Uh, he was clearly basing her off of Angelina Jolie, so it wasn't crazy to assume, oh, she was supposed to be a white lady. But now, yeah. you know, now it's not the assumption anymore. Now it's like she's a biracial character because she was portrayed by somebody who was, and and that's all I think awesome because it's just added to their, you know, representation in in, in Marvel, where primarily the only characters with any Asian heritage were all X-Men, which is fine, but they weren't able to appear in any of the movies as a result (laughs) until now. And, uh, and so yeah, limited some of their stable and there's no reason for every character to be white. Like there's no reason for the characters can't be biracial or multiracial or not white. (laughs) Which brings us to another thing. Brings us to agent Mac. (laughs) Yeah. Which, Okay, so if you have watched ahead in the seasons, you know that Agent Mac is someone very different, like the Agent Mac that we know. So it was just funny, like when I was watching this, I was I look I always look up the Wikipedia synopsis just to make sure I get the spellings right and I can, you know, make sure I have the the writers and the directors and all that stuff and the original air date. 
and it was like Agent Mac. And I'm like, what? No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's not Agent Mac. <laughs> and, yeah, and I, I, I was also like taken aback. And then I remembered, oh, right. Because I was even thinking about it before we talked about doing the show, just when I was thinking about how awesome Mac is and how I wished he was Captain America <laughs> because he's, he's amazing. Oh, my God. But oh, well, because be people, people want, because in the both, both the Falcon and Winter Soldier have become Captain America as a replacement in the comic books. And knowing Chris Evans wants to retire from the role after Avengers 4, they're talking about how are they going to do that in the comic, or, or how are they going to translate those comic stories without just duplicating them? And I was like, Honestly, mm-hmm. I would prefer it just be Mac. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Like, imagine him with that shield and that that uh, sawed-off shotgun slash axe, like 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 oh the combo. He just be the, the best. And he just and he has such he's so pure of heart and just like wants to do the right thing. Yeah. Too. His whole, he, his whole it, speech at the end of the new se- or the new season, like like it was like the most Captain America speech I've ever heard. You know, like yeah, definitely. Oh, I just got chills. I love that character Me so too. much. And, and the character in the comics isn't a bad character, but he ties directly to <laughs> Daisy in a weird way. And because his last major appearance is he wrote a tell all book about how shield sucks and it exposes the mission. It's her first mission, but he was just a supporting character and one of Nick Fury's right hand men. And he was a good old boy from Texas who, when you first meet him in the comics is about a 60 year old white dude with white hair. And he's closer yeah. to this truck driver who's like a middle-aged white dude with whatever, maybe some gray in his hair. But, but, but he was nothing like the guy who we get. Cause, uh, but but in the, we, don't, we don't know anything in the show beyond uh, Agent Mac for this truck driver. But in the comics, he was the same, the, the same guy who I think was the basis for this guy being named Mac is also <laughs> the basis of our Mac was Alfonso McKenzie. Uh, but who just became a, an amazing character who I think you know, yeah, and who favorites. is very much, who is very much not an old Texan white right. dude as well. No, like <laughs> he is a very beautiful black man who is from who's a mechanic and you know <laughs> played, played by uh, Henry Henry Simmons Jr. and is just excellent. Like he's yeah who, yeah, yeah who is a forty eight year old, which is amazing to me as well. Like I was just I just oh my just god he is the guy looks like he's my age. Like 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 I gotta say like I I would. Oh I, I was assuming he was probably older than me, but he's older than my brother. How's that possible? Holy crap. Oh, my God. Him and him and uh, Ming-Na are, like, <laughs> closer in age than he is close in age to us. No, and <laughs> like, I did not. I would never have guessed that. Man. Oh, my he's God. He's just really good, too. But, yeah, no, at yeah, this point, he's, he's one, of my, one of, I think, yeah, both of our favorite characters probably. Uh, one of, yeah. one of uh, the whole show is pretty much... I know they're all my favorite. I can't pick. It's like choosing children. My favorite. All children. I know is, I don't, and, I, and it's not that I hate the character. I, I hate him, but I don't hate the character as a character. Like, but I do hate Ward. You know, like, like, like he's yeah, well done. Well, I'm, I'm supposed <laughs> to hate Ward. Exactly. Um, so we get introduced to Ian Quinn in this episode, and um, I, I, I mean, I this is kind of the introduction to a a storyline that plays out all throughout season one, but I didn't realize like how much we get called back from him until we were kind of discussing like before we started recording, like he comes, his character or at least mentions of his character come back a like, lot. All, all the way into the new <laughs> season. And yeah, yeah, he has all these connections. He's the beginning. We meet him. We find out that one of his companies is what created uh, the centipede technology which is cybertech, which in both the comics and in the show is what makes Deathlocks, you know, these 
cyborg terminators that uh, Mike Peterson ends up becoming the kind of one of the first of that we meet. And, uh, and it's very, Cybertech is, I believe, created by Dwayne McDuffie in the Michael Collins version of Deathlock. That's basically the inspiration for Mike Peterson that uh, we talked about in the, the first episode. And so and in addition to that, through Centipede, through this uh, program that gave Mike his powers and the, the pilot, uh, we also are connected to Hydra. And then there's later on direct connections with Quinn to Hydra. So like he has all these deep seated connections. And then in, the, in a flashback, we see that Reyna, the in, inhuman uh, recruiter, right? Uh, flowers. Yeah, the the, the <laughs> girl in the flower called? dress, is that what they called her? Yeah. She, uh, played by Ruth Nega, is just awesome in everything, always. She, uh, yeah. right now she's killing it in another comic book adaptation in, uh, in Preacher. As to, as Preacher, to, which yeah. She, um, with her powers, because she had power of precognition, right? Yes, She yeah. saw the future and she intentionally set up Ian Quinn's demise. He got eaten by the gravitonium ball <laughs> and and so w- when it becomes graviton the source of graviton's powers and has all these voices and whatnot he and franklin hall are now voices inside the gravitonium uh david david conrad uh who's the voice uh, or the actor who portrays ian quinn also i i i feel felt like maybe you'd know what i'm talking about maybe not but he looks like, like a more like typical leading man version of tamo pennicut to me of hilo from uh battle yes. doesn't he David Conrad yes, and him he could does. totally play brothers. I feel like this they could they should cast them as brothers because they could pull it off. They have they have really expressive faces as well. Like Tom O'Pennicket always does that really he does that really good face acting, especially in Battle oh, I think that Ian Quinn just, has the same quality and just like the same kind of features, like like the Yep. Like they have the same vibe to me. But uh mm-hmm. but, you know, he becomes a really important recurring character, even though He's not on like all the time and it's not as obvious as someone like Reyna, you know, or, or yeah. this guy's dad, you know, or a lot of these characters that come up. And are clearly villains. I mean, he's clearly a villain, but he's more of a. Well, because the way they introduce. Financier. Because the way I they guess. introduce in this season, he's, he's, he's Lex Luthor at the beginning of Superman's career. He's morally ambiguous. He's clearly a villain, yeah. but they want, and they, they don't want you to doubt he's a villain, but they do want you to have reason to believe that a smart character would fall for the doubt like sky sort of yeah. like, like, like so it's 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 a fine line because they don't want to fool us they want us to know but they also want us to think he's a villain that has good points and is kind of right it works with, this, with the whole thing with ward I mean, overall but also just with the way he is his vibe is i think as like a very james bondy vibe because those are always James Bond villains. Like James Bond villains are like, yeah. hey, society's falling apart. I just want to start a socialist paradise on the moon. And the only way I'm going to fund it is by holding, <laughs> you know, France hostage with a laser gun. Like, right. like, like so sue me, James <laughs> Bond. But like, like it's, they always have noble goals. They just have super villain methods. And, like, and this yeah. guy's no different. Like, like, And that's how he appeals to Sky. Like he's like, I just want to make everything better for people. And if I have to kill 15% of the population to do it, I'll do it. Like, 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 that's, he's... I don't know. It's not that different from Elon Musk. I was going to say he's a super villain, Elon Musk, but I think he's oh. just, he just is Elon Musk. <laughs> like, yeah. He's in their world. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so since we're talking a little bit about Ward and Sky, I wanted to just do a little bit of discussion. Just we see like the beginnings of their 
not only their mentor mentee relationship, but just like that respect that they have for each other. And I think Sky eventually becomes the only one that Ward like cares about. Respects. Well, no, she sort of, she's, <laughs> yeah. he's sort of, he always respects Coulson and May's uh, capabilities, but yeah. you're right. I, I think, I think you're right. And, and I think it stems from Sky's um, origins with the rising tide. And he knows that she, I think like her loyalty to shield has, she has to be convinced that this is the, what she wants to do. And essentially she, she joins shield because she wants a place to belong and she feels like she belongs. This is like her, her found family. But I think Ward's suspicions of her all throughout these three episodes and them finally getting to a point where she's like bought in, she's there. Um, but all along this journey, she's like, kind of been question like her loyalty has been questionable and i think ward likes that <laughs> like and i think that stems from him having to essentially play a double agent like his whole life and i don't know like there I, and i haven't fully thought out this thought clearly cuz i'm just like saying things and not like giving any analysis but the more we go throughout this first season, I really want to like look at that from that lens now of him knowing that she, and I mean, like there's still hasn't been any like resolution to her continuing to work for the rising tide. Like as far as we know, she's still working for them. And it's interesting because Ward is a Hydra agent and has infiltrated shield from the inside. So I don't know. There's, I want to, I want to continue to look at this as we as we watch. No, I think that I mean the two sides of the, of their relationship. I think where it really is different from everyone else, where he has this like this different kind of respect for her, this respect for her overall. In, adi- in addition to yeah. her abilities as an agent and everything else, because I mean, the more I think about it, because he's as much of a pragmatist as he is, he says a lot of awful things mm-hmm. to everyone, but it's all mind games. <laughs> like I think he legit does respect. Fitz and Simmons for 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 their skill sets, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? Definitely. Oh, like, so respect isn't the right word, but it's like I think the only thing is like he knows that in some ways each of them is superior to him in some in, in one way or another. Yeah. But because I think of his like hyper vigilant paranoia, I think that we we yeah. know by like by the end of what is it season three and four that we really get into his head. Is it three with yeah. the hive stuff where we like really like go through all his background and like he's changed but we like really just get like this reinforcement of what made him what he is i feel like in that storyline uh for for me like i just got this vibe that he's so aware it's like almost like this like sherlock holmes-esque awareness of everyone else and their motivations it's how he's able to manipulate people and 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 play so many sides and whatnot like i think that even though he does understand that they have areas they're better than him at overall i think he has he has to come at it from a position of feeling like he's superior, not because he is, but because mm-hmm. like, that's how he survives, you know? And, yeah. but I think the only person who he sees as an equal is sky. And I think maybe you're right that it is, uh, you know, or Daisy, it is because of that dual life and that conflict. Cause it's not just an act for him. Like he really does. Like he is conflicted. He doesn't want to admit he is, but see- yeah, but I think, I think his conflict comes when Sky is becomes part of the equation. I don't feel like that conflict was 
I don't know. Maybe the, it was there, especially well, I like think, I think the no, the note, <laughs> the idea that he was doing something noble is always going to be against the reality of because he is such a pragmatist of knowing that he's not. Yeah. But like because I do think he came at everything from a, a place of doing good. But before we meet him, he had to know that the line that Garrett had sold him was was bullshit. Yeah. Oh, that's another th- connection I forgot to mention. Ian Quinn is the first person we see, I think, interact with uh, John Garrett, who's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent from the comics and is an important character. He's one of the sh- a HYDRA agents. that He's the guy who like, recruited uh, or helped recruit Ward. And he's played by Bill Paxton. And he's like a really uh, significant character. But we meet him, to him through Ian Quinn as well. Ian Quinn is just... He's all over the place, right. but I'm uh, sorry, I forgot <laughs> to mention that before. But uh, no, uh, man, he is—he's a really good actor. I, I didn't want to like him when that show started. When the show started, he was one of the reasons I didn't like keep watching after the second episode because, like, I was like, like that smug jerk. Because I don't—I don't, I don't <laughs> really like those kinds of of actors when they have those roles too much. You know, the the cocky. Mm-hmm guy who knows their leading man character like like the james bond type i like james bond usually yeah. but i don't like that type anywhere else for some reason because when, when you think about it like the concept of james bond like i can't remember there's something there's some great like kids it's pretty i mean pretty cheesy like fake nice guy coming of age romantic comedy but they talk about how james bond villains are the real good guys and it's just they describe him as uh, you know, he's a womanizing alcoholic. You know, he's like a sexaholic alcoholic <laughs> asshole who's just a tool of capitalist oppressor. It's like, all right, when you put it that yeah. way, James Bond's a kind of a jerk. <laughs> well, and when you put it when you put it that way too, Ward is that is a persona that he has taken upon himself when really he is working in that subversive his his true self or his I don't even know if his character is so complex that the true self with who he is with John Garrett wants to subvert all of that. This is just a, this James Bond persona is just what he's taken on to blend in those guys. I know those guys are like his dad (laughs) and his oldest brother. Like they're, they're they're part of the, the, the whole thing he's trying to burn down. And I think that that's why he's not able to ever really like see Colson or may as equals because they buy into something that he has been programmed to hate. That that Sky yeah. is all even when she's fully on board Shield is always questioning. And that, like yeah, no, this, you made a really good point about like just the way he sees her differently. I like I like thinking about that because, and we still haven't even talked about like the fact that he legitimately does. I think had, had like intense romantic feelings for her, and the sort of implication. Yeah, I think before that is not like. It sucks because he has like sociopathic tendencies, but I think it's all about survival. <laughs> like I don't think it's because of that yeah. lack of capability. But I think that I get the feeling like he's been on guard his whole life. You know, he has the relationship with May this season, which we haven't, they haven't hinted at yet. So we haven't brought up, but it's gross. <laughs> but, but, it is gross. But, but like he clearly, you know, he's a sexual being because he's a human. But I get the feeling that before Daisy and before Sky, he's never had feelings for anyone. He's never loved anyone no. at all. Like he's like, I feel like. Yeah. Every relationship brother, he's, he's had, done loving. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. And I. I and I mean, him and May's relationship is clearly him. It's part of his mission. Oh, for you sure. Know what I mean, it's, and both it's, of them get maybe sexual satisfaction out of it, but that's it. Like, like for yeah. him, it is part of his sowing seeds of dissent in their group and controlling and knowing and mm-hmm. having an in, you know. And no, and, Ugh, and, and so it is gross, gross because <laughs> so she's gross. not a robot like him. Like she can't shut it off the same way. So even though she's 
knowingly using him, she's still he's still able to manipulate her. Like I don't know. man, I love May so I much. Know. And she's like it's less gross than other situations like this in television. Like I was just watching Leftovers and of course everything on HBO has got to have like the worst of everything. Cause they have <laughs> like, Liv Tyler, just, spoilers for leftovers as well. Liv Tyler just sexually assaults a dude like one episode. And I'm like, come on guys. Oh like, like, like there's, I, I just wish sometimes like between that and just like this intense violence and like the cold open in one episode in the first season, I'm like, let's just have a trigger warning for people. Like, like there's a yeah. reason why those are a thing. Like, I, I don't think it's like too much to ask when you just have like a graphic displays of like intense, like violence or like sexual assault that people would have a little bit of a heads up. Like, 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 like and thankfully because it is on ABC and all, all ages, there's nothing <laughs> like that on shield when they have, when they have like intense death scenes, it's like emotionally intense and you know what happened. But it's also like all off screen. You hear a crack or whatever, you know. It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Blood drips on the floor. You're like, oh no, <laughs> like they died. And it's it, no, and it hits you because like they're well directed. But yeah, it is still network TV. It's not HBO. It's not a uh, Showtime or whatever or Netflix. Yeah, I sometimes still. Which kind? Of, which thank God <laughs> now thinking about that because like I said, this show could have been super dark. And they've had to kind of like step back and it's a family show. And I think for well, I think the better, we wouldn't have gotten, to be honest. Like, and the depth of like, the, again, like pretty long term spoilers here, but, but uh, where Fitz ends up, we would never have gotten, oh my we God. never gotten that on an HBO show because when Ward gave him brain damage, he would have just murdered him. <laughs> like yeah. he would have murdered him and they would have replaced, <laughs> replaced him with like, uh, Billy Boyd or somebody from uh, from, from yeah. Lord of the Rings, like some big name actor, would have been like his replacement. You'd be like, "Oh, holy <laughs> crap! I, I, I like that guy, but this guy's a pretty great actor. Like, I'm excited about that." You know, and that would have been it. That's so true, though. Like, it, yeah, like you can't. Keep, oh my god! <laughs> like, no, just some other random uh, Scottish actor. It wouldn't have even made sense. Like, why does he need to be another Scottish doctor? We wouldn't have questioned it. We just all enjoyed it, and. And it would have been, it probably been good, but diff, so different. Like, I like this because it's not as cheesy sci fi, Silver Age comic booky as uh, Legends of Tomorrow. I feel like that's the DC TV equivalent of S.H.I.E.L.D. in some ways. Like, all their other CW yeah. shows are more like uh, Netflix shows, even though they're, they're all much more lighthearted and, and family oriented. I think they, 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 they act like they take themselves seriously, but they're like, they're made for like a, 10 or 12 year old and up audience. I enjoy that. I enjoy them. Yeah. That they're even more family oriented than shield. And like, I feel like it's the equivalent in that it just has all these like kind of silly comic booky stuff that Netflix shows or the Netflix Marvel shows are kind of afraid to have. Uh, and by, by comparison and, and, and yeah. uh, like, it's not at that level of like super goofiness. We don't have like time traveling wizards and stuff, you know, but but we're, yeah, but we're, we're pretty close. <laughs> we do have wizards and time travel, just not in the same episodes yet. But uh, no, I, I like how they've been oh able to God. slowly get to that point. Like it's a really, it's a, and it wouldn't be able to do that on HBO. Like they would have wanted to have a single voice, no. you know, like, and so I'm, I'm glad that it was the show that it, that it was, even though people are, it, it is, like, even though people are down on it for being, too weird and too kitty and i get it it's not you know, it's not for everyone but i also think it's funny that people love guardians of the galaxy and and thor ragnarok and and all this other stuff but like 
the idea of something on, but on this, I don't know, a show on ABC, yeah. but I can watch with my kids. <laughs> I'll just rewatch one of these movies that I watch with my kids. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it feels somewhat <laughs> disingenuous, you know, like the, the yeah. better than attitude. Cause I get it too. Like I, I, I get the idea of not wanting to watch something that's like not necessarily beneath you, but not for you. If it's for kids or whatever, but like, Again, we all, all these people who I'm thinking of, I, I know primarily through loving Star Wars, which is for 10 year olds. <laughs> yeah, so. very true. But these are the same people that probably complain Rebels. when Star Wars Resistance <laughs> yeah. trailer gets dropped. It looks dumb. Some, some, <laughs> so. some of them I'm sure did. Although most of them I feel like <laughs> at this point, because of Rebels, the ones who I know at least, learned that they should not mention anything yet. Like, <laughs> there's no reason to say anything because I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't see a whole, I saw a very little bit of like the negativity. I, I, I saw more people referencing the negativity than actually seeing it, but, but around the yeah. resistance trailer. But there's, I, I, I do find it interesting that Marvel's got a bigger fan base, but no number of people seem to complain when they have like a new cartoon. Like, 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 yeah. no, the only people are the craziest of whack jobs who are like, why is there a cartoon with girls in it? Or whatever, you know, like <laughs> who say that every time a new cartoon comes out, like, like they, 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 those people are really sad and pathetic. And yeah, they're part of the same problem, but they're the same people doing it every single time. And just in general, you know, Marvel has such a huge viewership that's the same as Star Wars overall, as far as like the movies goes, it's the same people everywhere watching everything. But none of them are like online creating groups, just like saying, "What is this Marvel Rising? Why is this a thing? Why is why is Daisy Johnson, you know, getting a cartoon character?" Nobody's against this. Like, like even yeah, in a world where they are complaining about those girl characters getting comic books, like I don't want to draw attention to this. I don't, I, I, I don't want this. I don't want people to start campaigning against it. But just like the fact that that there's a large number of people complaining about it in Star Wars every time that. Why are they making it for kids? Do they forget that we were kids? Like, do they forget those Ewoks cartoon show? Like, I don't. Oh my god! It could be so yeah. much worse. And I love, I love the Ewoks and droid shows, but it, they were bad. <laughs> <laughs> Objectively bad. Yes. Oh man. Okay. So I have one other thing to discuss, and it's Agent May's secret mission which we, I don't think we find out about for another few episodes, but we kind of got an introduction to her essentially knowing that Coulson died. <laughs> and we find out later that Nick Fury uh, got May on the short list to be on this team so she could look after Coulson. And, that's, and it, 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 like, so that sort of ties in maybe to like her whole like, oh, I knew it. You know, f demanding that she be resumed uh, combat as well. Yeah. Like, it's interesting. Yeah, so it, it keeps Coulson out of the field. It makes him have to be on the back end, essentially. And, oh, man, there's <laughs> – shit's going to go down. We'll just say that for for the future. But it, it was just interesting because we had, like, a there were that, that exchange between Coulson and May – um, in the briefing room when she's like, you know, you're rusty, like you shouldn't be, you know, this is different from field ops. This is, you know, specialist territory. And he's like, well, you know, I saw plenty of action. And, and she heard mention, and, and her and mention he died. Name that he died. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And then also when she wants to check back in and be, um, you know, reporting for combat and he's like, oh, are you just watching my back? And she's like, "Uh, you know, it's the same. So essentially, like that is her mission. And Coulson doesn't know about it. (laughs) And Coulson doesn't know a lot. There's so much. There's so much going on that Coulson doesn't know about. And that even other people like, like I'm thinking about it. And, you know, May is aware of her secret and Ward's aware of his. But like. Daisy doesn't even know Sky doesn't even know she is Daisy. <laughs> she, she doesn't know her secret yet. God. She she knows that she has one, but she doesn't know what it is, you know. So like there's a lot yeah. going on. There's the only people who don't have deep dark secrets really are, are Fitz and Simmons and Fitz has like childhood trauma, maybe, but both of them are pretty well adjusted by comparison <laughs> compared to everyone else, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, they haven't, I mean, I mean, aside from Fitz and his issues with his dad, like they've, they've been like academics their entire life. Like it's not like they've kind of really done anything else, to be honest. Basically like if it would exist in the real world, like a sci-fi spy academy, you know, like like, they have had a pretty cool life. They're two good looking white people from Europe who live in America, (laughs) like good enough jobs, like good enough paying jobs at a super spy organization, but they can dress the way they dress and appear the way they appear. So they they appear to have pretty privileged lives that immediately take a downward turn because of Ward. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They put themselves in a lot of danger in general, but that guy really messes them up. And you know what? Everything awful that happens to them, well, it, up until probably season it's four, is because of the is because of him, like <laughs> him or some extension of him. It's like it's the dogs in my neighborhood agree. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> what is that I'm hearing? But yeah, I don't know. It's of course um, right when I'm ready to mute it. So that's, 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 that's of course how they are. Of course. Well, I think that's all I have, unless you have anything else. Okay. So you can find us on Twitter at Project Tahiti, and you can send us an email at projecttahitipod at gmail.com. I am Space Jess with four S's in the Jess on Twitter. (laughs) I feel so stupid saying that all the time now because it's really five S's as Eric Struthers pointed out to me from the Sith list podcast. And so now I feel dumb anytime I say four S's cause it's not true. Anyway, where can people find you? People can find <laughs> me at, uh, I snow nothing. Like I know nothing, uh, but with snow and no G at the end. <laughs> it's, I have, I've had to say that so many times. So I, I can relate like, cause <laughs> I, I've said it to people when they, immediately mishear it like it just i don't know it, it makes yeah. sense when you see it also, <laughs> if you know the reference i know but, yeah. i know also if you follow us on project tahiti both of our usernames are in the bio if that makes it easier <laughs> Refer oh to our reference materials. that's our that's our new way to find us i know exactly All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time on Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Bye. Bye.